Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We're excited to uh, have the topic of harvest and farming and agriculture. We brought our expert back, Mark Troyer from Troyer Incorporated. Welcome, Mark. Well, thanks for having me, Joel. Well, you, you know, again, uh, we've known each other for a lot of years, and uh, you've had a, a successful run. Uh, again, your family's known for potatoes, and we we talked about last time you were here about mm-hmm. the Troyer Farms potato chips, mm-hmm. and and of course now that brand is who operates that brand these days. Uh, it's almost <laughs> extinct. It's, so, really? it's almost extinct. Yeah. We had sold it to off to another company and yeah. uh, they've pretty much uh, let it drift away. We oh. were hoping to buy it back someday, buy the name back. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I noticed it doesn't have nearly as much shelf space at, no. at Wegmans as it used to, but it's still still a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we want to get a handle on the harvest. So right now, is 2019 a good harvest for farmers? Um, so far, I mean, we, let me just go back in the spring. It was a challenging spring, a lot of rain, a lot of water, uh, a lot of nervousness about getting crops in, um, still hear reports of, of a lot of, uh, farmers that didn't get all their acres planted. Um, literally millions of acres out in the Midwest didn't get planted. Wow. Uh, and uh, so it's been pretty devastating for a lot of those people. We didn't have quite that much trouble here. Uh, got nervous. It was getting late and kind of felt compelled to get out there. But then when it did dry up, we were able to get all our crops in. And so uh, it, it's been uh, been a good good season. After we got through the spring season, uh, all through the summer here, we've had adequate rain, adequate sunshine, and uh, certainly this time of year is, you know, my emphasis is on potatoes, and, and this time of year, we're having a great harvest season. This is just perfect weather. Uh, uh, um, actually, my guys are complaining a little bit about being dusty out there. And we, I said, <laughs> <laughs> you never complain about being dusty during harvest time because it can change and turn around. Compared to last year, we just struggled. We we just Did worked really? and worked and worked and literally could not get we left about 50 acres in the ground and that's just really hard for me to take uh sure leaving you know putting all that effort and all that investment in and then not being able to get them out so what was the prevailing issue last year was it muddy or rain just rain uh i mean i think we had something like 15 inches of rain in september and Mm. then october just kept getting uh more and more rain and so uh, potatoes is a is a tricky crop in that uh, you know you have to go down in the ground to get them and and although it may not be raining at this minute if the ground's wet and muddy you just can't separate the potatoes out of the dirt so yeah uh, that's been going you know we're we're really enthused about our harvest season a good crop uh, good yield um, and good quality um, I think the you know the general crops of corn and soybeans. Uh, uh, everybody, although I had a little bit of a late planting also, uh, seemed to be doing well, but the pricing on corn and soybeans is still, um, just very low, uh, you know, kind of break even uh, spot. It, it just amazes me that, uh, we can take, you know, millions of acres out of the mix, uh, out of the Midwest and still seem to have adequate amount of, of corn and soybeans for everybody. That is that is alarming, considering that so much of our corn is going towards fuel. You know, the ethanol. You know, that mandate mm-hmm. of ten percent or yep. so on uh, is is still there, and 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 even even taking taking uh, acres offline isn't making an impact on the price. I just shudder to think what would have happened if those millions of acres would have got planted, because I I don't know where where they all would have gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, there there certainly has been a, a decrease. And, and eh, the other guys, I just feel sorry for as the milk guys, yes. the dairy guys are just struggling. Uh, and, they, you know, they just seems to be less and less milk being bought. Uh, some alternatives, you know, some of the uh, almond milks and things like that are, are taking people or uh, taking some of that market share, share away from them. So, um, you know, that can be a little bit of a reason where our corn markets a little, little slower, or just a little less, less being less going to dairy uh, farmers, less to the feed. Yeah. Is it, are there particular 
um, crops that are doing exceptionally well in Erie County and some that are not doing so well, or is everybody having just a good year? Um, I mean, I can't. Like, how do the fruit crops do? Uh, you know, I just, I did just. Just my my background prep work. I called yeah. Nick, I called Nick Mobilia. Oh, good, good, good. Nice. He's a good friend of mine, and yeah. he gave me the grape update. And he said uh, uh, things are looking better for them. They had a, a, a series of rough rough years, very low pricing. Uh, wow. In fact, I I think I helped him out a little bit. I bought a farm in Gerard that had grapes on it, and I, I about three years ago, I said, Nick, what should I do with these grapes? He <laughs> says, tear them out. So <laughs> I tore. So I guess maybe I'm helping helped his uh, helped his cause. <laughs> A little bit right. so there is a little bit of a uh, i guess they've had a nice year good crop just starting the concord harvest yeah. um and uh their pricing is getting a little better i think they're getting a little more market uh uh increases from from the local uh the juice companies here welches and such so yeah they seem to be doing well uh um i'm you know i've always been an advocate of, of of farming i still think uh you know i think erie county has a a, a great future if we if we go about it smartly i I, yeah. I think the tough thing is is i don't think we are ever going to really compete with the guys in the midwest on on corn prices and soybean mm. prices but i think uh we certainly have uh a niche area of being able to what we got going for us is our proximity to to the east coast there's right. so many people there to feed so many miles millions and millions of people uh just you know in a six hour uh commute for or six hour uh trucking cycle sure. from here so um you know lancaster does a great job of farming but they they're getting built up and they're losing some farm acres and they've got they're trying to, you know, the chicken industry is strong down there. The the dairy industry is strong there. And so they need crops to feed those those animals. Uh, mm. But I think we have, uh, you know, I, the potato thing is, is a good thing. We're, uh, I think we're seeing it. An, an and what's upswing. the scope of your potato uh, delivery? I mean, well, who, who are your, who are your uh, To be customers? honest with you, they say don't put all your eggs in one basket, but we get our eggs in one basket. <laughs> We we're de- we're delivering to our previous potato chip factory, so we have the ge- geographic advantage yeah. uh, the, of being right on site, and we've made. So they take all of your potatoes. Ninety percent. Holy 90%, smokes, yeah, Mark! Ninety percent. I mean, we've got a few other markets just just to keep our fingers in 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 the other markets, but uh, it is really tough. Uh, what, what, our advantage it's really tough to compete with that in proximity yeah. uh, yes i mean so we've invested a lot of money in new equipment and in potato storages we're building another one right now mm-hmm. right at waterford and there's nothing like january in the middle of a blizzard uh, instead of having to go off somewhere and load trucks where you do yeah. it all right on site and never have to leave the property and go down to the scale and take them down to the chip plant and so it's been a great partnership we you know we struggled for years and years to get somebody back in that building, and yeah. uh, right now it's currently owned by Shears Potato Chips. A lot of uh, private label. Business. I was going to say they they have a lot of different labels. Yeah, that, right? the one thing that you know I could maybe uh, promote a little bit is Panera Bread. I know they're making okay. the Panera Bread kettle chip is coming out of this plant. So interesting. If you, yeah, and they're doing some Walmart and some other private label business, and so. Uh, been a great thing. Uh, they're they're running uh, twenty four hours a day, six to seven days a week, and uh, so we're, we're we're fortunate there. We'd love to have have a good strong uh, industry right nearby, but I think there's other areas where we can expand too. I you know I think we could do a lot of vegetables, green beans, things like that. But it it boils down to having a processing center, and so I've mm. I've been an advocate of trying to work with other groups and maybe maybe get some investment money put together where we can actually have a market locally uh, where we can process those uh, things, either cannery or, or freezing uh, operation where we could grow those vegetables. I th- we can we can grow as good a crop as anybody. You just need to have the infrastructure and a, and a market to go, go somewhere with them. Isn't there a heritage, though, of of proce- uh, food processing here in Erie County and the surrounding counties. I'm thinking of uh, the cannery up in Fredonia. Uh, you know, I think that's a vegetable cannery. I mean, there's, 
you know, then of course there's the better baked foods and there's, you know, the, the fish, uh, what was it? Uh, Vandy camps or whatever. I mean, there's, there's a bit of food operations here in Erie County. Absolutely. We have, we have great land. We have the you know ability to, to grow just about any kind of crop here. Uh, but we, you know, we've lost a few of those processing industries and, you know, the, uh, there's been some some significant uh, investments in in state of the art uh, processing centers mm-hmm. that aren't here, and so then we kind of start to lose that. If we don't stay on the cutting edge of it, um, we you know we can fall behind pretty quickly. All, all of these different things, whether you, whether it's your growing of potatoes or you know the folks that are uh, invested in the, in the milk industry or in any kind of food and vegetable. The capital investment that's required is just enormous, and Huge. sometimes the numbers don't work. Huge, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, we're competing. Uh, we're competing with some some. Well, I have a lot of friends out in North Dakota, mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota, Michigan that are big farmers. And they've got, you know, they got huge tracts of land, very easy to farm there uh, and, and of huge investments. But what's working in our favor right now is the freight, the freight, mm-hmm. the higher fuel prices, the higher you know, hours of service for truck drivers. All of a sudden, uh, Pennsylvania has has kind of hit uh, a a upswing in potato production just because, you know, we, we have a lot of potato chip factories in Pennsylvania that need to be fed. And so being closer to them sure helps. We're talking to Mark Troyer. He is uh, uh, the the president of Troyer Inc. He is a farmer. He's on the farm board. He has connections with all of the different aspects of agriculture. Why is milk $4 in Pennsylvania and $2 a gallon in Ohio? Is that all just taxes? Uh, that's not my area right. of expertise, yeah. but I mean, there is a milk marketing board and those, those prices are mandated by, by the state. Uh, I do know that the farmer isn't getting all of that. No. Uh, and, uh, there's a certain amount of money I think that goes in to kind of, uh, provide other subsidies and things like that. Uh, um, yeah, I mean. I can tell you the gas, the gas is cheaper in, in Ohio because right. of taxes. That is that absolutely transportation costs for yeah. sure. Yeah. The uh, do you know of any of the you know the the big shakeout when Dean, Dean Foods decided to not buy any more local milk or have, have do you do you feel like your far, your milk farmer friends have found alternate markets? Some have. Uh, you know, there was supposed to be three rounds of that, uh, and the first one. Uh, those guys, uh, the first round of of people getting dropped, were able to find markets for that. I I don't know if they did the second round. I know they haven't done the third round, but everybody's scared to be in the third round because after you know th- there will not probably be any alternatives. Mm. If, you know, so you're that means you're you're doing pretty well. You're you're good enough not to get cut out of the first round, but then. You, yeah. Those guys may be the get the short end of the stick on the tail end of it the last round. It it, it seems to me that um, we had a strong history for milk farming in this in this neck of the woods. Absolutely, there was tons and tons of of small dairies here. There, were, uh, you know, and and people raised their families on on a fifty cow herd, and and uh, and were able to, to to raise them in the farm farm life and and uh and do quite well make a living at it now that just isn't isn't hardly a viable operation anymore i mean you got you've got to have you know be in a two three four five hundred range uh wow. to really to really run uh competition with some of these other big dairies that are, that are going around and, and certainly you know new york upstate new york the climber area is just a big dairy uh, area and uh uh, so when when you start losing those cow numbers, then they start losing a lot of support. A lot of the you know the the like the autom- automated milking uh, service companies, uh, some of the feed stores, and, and uh, you just start losing some of that support team. 
and it gets pretty tough for just one or two dairy farmers to kind of survive in, in an area. There's an infrastructure, just like any other yeah. industry, that will come up if if there's enough uh, critical mass. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. so, and you know, so that's amazing. Let's pivot to the, to the you know, a, a, a dairy farmer has a limited scope of where they're delivering, uh, but not so much the soybeans and, and corn. The soybeans is a, is an international market. Talk about what you know about trade. Again, we catch little things on the nightly news about tariffs and such. Can you help us out understand where, you know, because every farmer I talk to says, well, we needed to have some tariffs to hold China accountable. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm not a believer in tariffs, of course, but I, yeah. I, I do know that, that, that you know, China will take and take and take if we don't stand up to them a little bit. And and, and they're the number one consumer of soybeans, my understanding? A lot of soybeans go over there. I don't know if they're the... I mean, they're certainly domestically. We use tons and tons of them for soybean oil, and, I mean, there's some potential biodiesel uh, uses for them. Uh, uh but yeah, they're they're a big absolutely, you know the. But it, it is a world market, and and you know um, when when a farmer when things aren't going quite his way, he always likes to have, find some kind of excuse, some some way to blame somebody. And uh, honestly, my feeling is is that you know there might be a little short term pain in this, but the long term gain it, it just had to be. Some accountability, some uh, some little bit of tough talk to kind of to get this straightened out, and it's still a world market. I mean, um, one way or the other, if if somebody else starts uh, exporting to China, then the the place that they were going to is going to have a hole in it, and so it, it's a world market. It's and uh, the truth of the matter is, it's it's a tough game. It's just a commodity, and it mm-hmm. has become so bare bones so uh competitive um uh, that you know we're in a little bit we're just in a deficit area again so right right here as far as the soybean market we have to add quite a bit of freight to get uh to a crush plant somewhere that's making soybean oil and so we when you add the freight to it it just becomes a little difficult to compete so so erie county is not very competitive soybeans wise um, Compared to have, maybe have, out in the Midwest. They have their challenges, yes. yeah. They have their challenges. The, what is the end game, do you think, with this international trade? What What is what is President Trump? What is uh, Who's the big uh, tariff guy? I think it's uh, uh, who, uh, the, the fellow that's on the Department of Commerce, uh, the Secretary of Commerce, is, is a big uh, tariff uh, guy. I'm, I'm, I'm losing his name right now. But what, what are they trying to accomplish? You're saying they're going to try to reset... You, you know the buying practices well it's or the, or know, the trade it, imbalance it's, it, it, maybe it's yeah maybe it's a little bit overused but a fair uh level playing field you know so so often um you know many of these countries are are, are you know will take our our product if it's if it's bare bones low price cheap and then uh, shut down their markets for us to export other things to them you know as far as as the things that really create jobs so uh you know whether it's cars or things like that so it's it's a complicated you know and and i i sure don't portray to be an expert at it it's very complicated Mm -hmm. uh I just know that uh, we need to continue to be efficient at everything we do. Uh, it's, it means reinvesting in what we're doing, trying to stay started, stay of the art, have have the most efficient uh, way of producing. Because in the long run, uh, we're we're very price sensitive, and we just need to we need to have the best best pricing we can to compete. Makes sense. We're talking to Mark Troyer from Troyer Incorporated. If you have a question for him, 814-679-1080, 814-679-1080. We're down to about a minute before news time. And it's it seems to me that the the big names that we know in Erie County, you know, your name, uh, you know, the uh, the you know, the the Masons and the Mobilias and so on. Um, there's a there's a quick uh, proximity effect of farm to market or farm to table. Uh, and so 
they're you know they're just looking to keep their their produce or their wherewithal their their uh, mm-hmm. their crops very close to the end user. Um, but out west, it seems to be a much bigger issue, right? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. That that they're dealing with uh, in, yep. in like your friends in Minnesota and so they on. They all have to put that on a truck and ship it away. Uh, one thing that is a universal issue is the low unemployment. And so labor has become a true issue in Erie County. Can you talk about how the farmers are doing? Are, is there enough labor to bring in the crop, number one? Um, it's always a challenge. It's It's been a challenge for years. I mean, personally, uh, on our farm, uh, we struggled last year. We had you know, really wet season, so it just everything took a little longer. Uh um, there's many evenings when we'd look up and there's just there was no help left. They all went wow. home. They were just <laughs> they didn't they couldn't stand anymore, so they they took off on us. So we uh, we made the decision to even we we had crop left in the field that we couldn't get to uh, because of labor and because of weather. We had made a decision to do a significant investment in. New technology, new equipment, uh, things, mechanization that will enable us to to go faster on the good days with with less help. And Mm. um, so we're about uh, three or four weeks into that with our our new equipment, and it is it is helping a lot, but still takes some people um, uh, and and. We're also finding that you know the the bigger the equipment and the uh, and the more equipment you have, it, it takes qualified operators too. So we have been uh, fortunate. We've you know we our hiring process is ongoing. Uh, you know we uh, started January this year looking for for extra people, new people, uh, just knowing that. It, uh, it takes a long time, uh, and, and that you just can't wait to the last minute and go out and try to find somebody. Uh, very happy with our crew. Yeah, we're we're a little short on people again right now. We had a couple people with some health incidents and things like that, but we have uh, have been blessed uh, actually to pick up a few people out of the dairy industry that you okay. know, is they, they have kind of you know uh, those uh, dairy guys those dairy farmers train their kids well they, yeah. you know they 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 were out they were up at six in the morning milking cows before school and and so we have we're fortunate to be able to to piggyback on that a little bit and so uh we're doing okay right now but it's it's a challenge uh challenge nationwide to find people that will actually do this work i mean I actually, I had, I went home and took a shower before I came here because you didn't want, you were, I was pretty, dirty. I haven't found a way to dig potatoes yet and stay clean. So, and so if, if you're a person that, uh, you know, is college educated and doesn't want to get dirty, you, you don't, you don't come to my farm. Well, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, just like in every other industry, there's, there's a shortage of, of qualified workers, number one, and there's the need for advanced technology, advanced mm-hmm. knowledge. Um, are are you seeing the place where that, you know, that Penn State agribusiness degree, uh, you know, you're looking for men and women that way these days? Some, sure. We, we are. I mean, we have, I guess now we probably have three or four college graduates, not all in, in agriculture. Um Honestly, it's always been a joke in in, uh, in the farm industry that so many of the college uh, Penn State ag degree people end up going into regulatory agencies. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the steady the steady job. The, the know, steady the, job is it work yeah, for, the, the DEP, for the state? The, well, DEP or whatever, you know. Oh, and my so, gosh. Uh, that's been a little bit of a thorn in our side. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it, it, you have to love that lifestyle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're competing, you know, the state job or something is, uh, you know, maybe a 35-hour uh, hours a week job and they go home and forget about it and the farming business doesn't work that way no sure it doesn't and so and obviously you saw in this case that the automation that you brought to bear is to it is what's needed to meet the need of the shortage of labor yeah that's uh, absolutely that's what we have to do in our business and that's probably uh, universal i would think in all of agriculture it's turning out to be that way yeah yeah if if you want to really turn out big production it is you know the the days of having 50 i mean i as a kid uh 
I remember picking, I remember, not myself, I remember seeing people in our fields picking by hand. And, and uh, I mean, literally uh, 50 or 100 people uh, out in the field picking up potatoes, back-breaking work. Uh, um, but people did it. That's, that's, that was a state of the art. That's, that's what we had then. And so uh, things have come a long way since then. And you don't really see, or, or do you, is there such a thing as migrant workers that come to Erie County, maybe for the grape fields or, or something like that? Or is that mostly all automated now? Um, certainly there's some, uh, and certainly there's a need for that. I, I know yeah, I, I sit on the uh, Pennsylvania Fruit and Vegetable Board, and I know those guys especially, uh, you know, hand-picked lettuce and yeah. tomatoes and some of those things. Um, it's very hard to pick. Uh, ripe uh, fruits and vegetables at their peak flavor uh, with with mechanization. You know, mm-hmm. that, that soft peach, that, that ripe peach is soft and it bruises very easy. Uh, you know, a tomato that's really ripe and ready to go is, is hard to handle. So I know those guys are struggling and I know, you know, the H-2A worker programs and stuff are very important to them. Um, and, and honestly, uh We've been fortunate to be mechanized for that, and so you know, with the potatoes there, we, we've had high high amounts of of big equipment, able to cover a lot of land really fast and easy. Uh, but we're actually getting a little taste of it now with the hemp thing. So yeah, uh, that's we've gone from big huge tractors back to some hand labor. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually bought my first five foot wide disc uh this this summer you know we we normally have a 25 or 30 feet wide and we went to a smaller disc just to get down between the rows of, of, of the hemp field so. all right well you brought it up so let's go with that so okay what what is this hemp crop uh it's the wild wild west it's, start, <laughs> it's starting we're starting all over here uh hemp is a crop that had been grown in the united states back uh in the 1800s and the 1900s had a lot of uses uh certainly they were making hemp rope out of it uh but uh you know got kind of a bad rap from the marijuana side um tooth it's 2008 or 2018 farm bill in december the congress actually authorized and made uh industrial hemp legal legal again um very happy with pennsylvania department of agriculture they actually jumped on on it and put in a framework for pennsylvania farmers to grow hemp uh early uh in january and february um i as a myself and my team have said we need to have an alternate crop you know we love potatoes but we need to have something else also so I jumped in and got permitted uh very fairly lengthy process FBI fingerprinted and uh GPS coordinates on where all our crops are. Uh we are open to 24 hour a day 7 day a week spot inspections by uh enforcement agencies. Um but I want to make a distinction, you know, I've personally never had a puff of marijuana in my life and I don't, don't I don't intend to but what we're looking at now is CBD content. So it's basically very, very low THC. Uh, actually, we need to be under 0.3% uh, total content of THC. And THC is the chemical that makes you high, That's right? the hallucinogenic side of yeah. it. That's the hallucinogenic side. So we are looking more at the CBD side, the cannabidiols. Uh, cannabidiol oils uh, which are we're just starting to find out uh, all the medical benefits of them we hear people uh, are getting relief from anxiety and uh, uh, st- uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome mm-hmm. uh, veterans are, are getting some great results from that uh, uh, pain relief pain right? relief yeah. aches and pains people being able to come off of opioids uh, into something that's naturally grown so and this is different mark than the medical marijuana uh, stores that yeah. are the eerie rise and, and there's a couple other ones in town yeah I mean so there's there, and it, I, it could I don't be confusing to, to people I don't yeah. want to diminish that I mean and I think people are getting some great relief uh, from those things too but 
Uh, I still don't want to be uh, driving 60 miles an hour down the road with another person coming at me 60 miles an hour from me. That's 120 miles an hour, somebody that's high on THC side of it. So, exactly. Um, the, this, and, you know, we, we make this effort to be drug-free workplaces, drug-free uh, CDL uh, licenses, forklift operators all have to be drug tested. So the the cbd oil side is something that's uh, just very interesting uh very uh very much on an uptrend uh, a lot of people just starting to try it learn about it and so we thought it was something that we actually absolutely needed to take a look at so uh, we are, we do have about uh seven acres of it uh, growing we're getting really close to harvest now we're learning a lot about it learning how to grow it better is that kind of a big bet, or is that pretty small for you, for yourself? Uh, the a lot of hand labor. Um, okay. I actually, I yeah. Let's see if I guess I got, yeah. I went down to I went down to South Carolina with a little trailer and brought back fourteen thousand dollars worth of plants. Um, <laughs> so they they're fairly expensive. Yeah. Except seven dollars a plant, I paid paid for mine. So wow. we do have a significant investment in that. Um, and uh. A lot of good things happening. I think maybe in a month from now, I'll be able to talk a lot more about it. But we yeah. are putting in a uh, an actual extraction system, and we are going to have our own local brand here. So uh, when we start talking about farm-to-table, uh, we, we are going to be a totally vertic- vertically integrated company where uh, we're going to uh, grow this on our farm, do the extraction, do the refining of it. Um, actually do <clears throat> bottling and then uh, we, we are going to direct market it through uh, our own website. Wow. Oh, well, so you're, you're going all in on it. And again, uh, you know, a lot of people have heard about this and you're seeing it everywhere. You're seeing it everywhere from, you know, from drug stores to, you know, different, uh, different uh, places here and there in the market, but it's different than medical marijuana, but it's at CBD oil. Absolutely. Um, uh, you mentioned transportation. You you're very fortunate that literally you're next door to Correct. your end user. Um, gas. I would imagine that uh, oil prices greatly impact uh, profit margins for farmers. Sure. Um, you know we there's a trade off whenever we uh, talk about using less labor. There's usually we're talking more machines, and machines either have to be fueled you know, either electrically. Uh, which are a lot of our grading uh, line is is done with you know some big massive motors that are actually uh, lifting potatoes up away from rocks. Uh, so t- there's some huge electric power needed, uh, and then diesel fuel. Absolutely, we need to run bigger tractors and, mm-hmm. and more equipment to actually cover ground faster. The um, another another thing that that is kind of a new policy is we just mentioned you know farm to table but you know some people are getting away from meat and we don't you know we don't have a lot of chicken farms here or or we do have some beef cattle right Mm -hmm. sure um but uh and but those seem to be more kind of boutique farms or or Uh, do we have any big operations uh the 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 meat uh farm so locally here we just don't have a lot of big ones here um and you know uh i i'm a believer in in letting the free market decide what they want uh whether it's organic uh, or whether it's uh, meatless products or things like that um um i don't who knows how big it'll be or how uh, Mm -hmm. you know uh how how much of a market is that you generally uh you know they came out with that impossible whopper they did they did they did <laughs> all plant-based right i haven't had one yet but, <laughs> you have uh, I, yeah but uh you know if that's what people want um i'm a believer in farmers will supply supply what they need um but there's usually uh for some of these products the the, the cost is usually higher and so it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting everybody's a health food nut until they actually go and pull into the into the fast food joint and then uh, then they start picking other choices you know the choices that taste good so. it's interesting you have on one side you have you know everybody wants to go vegan and on the other side you have this keto craze where everybody's 
eating bone and bone marrow and i mean everything is yeah, is beef protein and protein, yeah, protein based yeah protein yeah. based even in the uh, in fact even in the dog food industry now we we had sold tons of cereals and things to dogs and or to dog food plants now there's they're even switching out of that they're doing into more peas and beef and and proteins are going in there and less cereals so. oh, absolutely yeah. a lot of less grains yeah. um you mentioned the farm bill i want to i want to ask you about that uh that just came out in 2018 is it is it good legislation as you can see it you know you know on a more global scale uh sure i mean there's always things there's always holes in everything and there's there's always some tweaking that needs to be done, but uh, you know, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm actually a hands-free, hands-off kind of a guy. I'd kind of more libertarian I'd, approach politically. Bit, yeah, I, I just need the politicians to get out of our way and let mm. us do what we do. Uh, sometimes uh, they may have some good intentions, but uh, just generally the the one size fits all thing and. Just doesn't work everywhere. I mean, uh, we, so you you wouldn't say that you're you're pro tariff in, and you're probably not pro the subsidies that came with the tariff. Absolutely, I'm not a subsidy fan either. You know, uh, usually there's strings that go along with that, and and you know when you take government taxpayer money and then start dangling in front of farmers and then telling them how they got to do this and that, uh, I just think it's a bad recipe. Um, you know. You know, even from the standpoint of, of uh, stormwater permits, I mean, we just went through that with mm. uh, with building a new building here and, and we, actually 18 months to get a stormwater permit and tons of money and engineers and things like that. Uh, you know, that that whole process was set up for Mill Creek where they're trying to shove all that water through the tube, you know, yeah. and, and it's, you know, and they're building, you know, you know, we're, we're we weren't building a, a Walmart shopping center. We were just trying to put another potato storage up on our farm. And wow. so I, 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 it's pretty frustrating sometimes to have to deal with some of those things when, you know, uh, it really isn't going to end, you know, Right from the start, I just say, you know, I, I'm I'm an environmentalist. I mean that my my biggest asset is in farmland. Yeah, and, and it's your and livelihood. It's my livelihood. It's my future. Uh, I don't want to lose my topsoil. I got to have great topsoil to to do what we do. And so uh, we've we've always tried to take care of that to the best of our ability and and make make our land. My greatest joy is actually make taking a farm and making it better than it was before. Have you talked to folks that are trying to either break in or maybe taking over their parents' farm? Uh, what 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 is the what's the optimism? Um, the optimism is it's a, it's a great lifestyle, and and you get raised, you get brought up in this lifestyle, uh, and you continue to do it that that's the that's the good side of it but the the bad side of it is sometimes you continue to do it for almost no profit or, or for very low wages and yeah. very tough for uh, anybody you know we start talking about bigger and bigger farms more sophisticated equipment um very tough for somebody to just come in and start up a farm and and be uh, viable and, and, and really compete. Now there, there certainly are the, you know, the next generation, uh, you know, uh, as, as these farms are, are being passed on, uh, there, there is an opportunity for some of those young guys that with, uh, new ideas and, and, and maybe a, a little more, uh, sophistication with technology that can jump in here and, and, and do a good job. But then there's there's just as well there's a a ton of kids that have got their educations and said I uh, you know I I don't know if I want to take that risk I don't wow. know I don't know you know there's so much that's out of your control and so much that is left up to God and how how mm. uh, how the weather what kind of weather he deals you uh, it can be a pretty frustrating it can be a very frustrating business to be in also you you, you would hate to see it all go. Big and corporate, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, I th I think about the technology that's available. Uh, my like, like I was telling you off, Mike. My uh, my son is married into a farming family, and they were describing, you know, how precision 
the tractors are with the GPS. You don't have to drive the tractors. You you, you oh. might want to sit in there and you know watch you know binge watch your your shows while you're harvesting or planting or whatever. You know it's crazy what's out there these days. Well, uh, absolutely. What we we found out though <laughs> is that now we don't have to stop when it's dark. When you when we were planting right. when we were planting before we would have to see that furrow marker and, and be able to. Now we are within a sub-inch, within an inch, oh my gosh. Uh, and hands off the steering wheel. But it's also uh, allowed us to dr- go all night long. And so uh, actually our planting duties uh, between myself and my son, Colt, we uh, we planted pretty much 24 hours a day uh, when the weather was right. And so that's part of the advantage. But uh yeah, but it's it's all all takes money. Yeah, yeah. It, so so uh, we're having a good year. So something to celebrate for for twenty nineteen with farmers, uh, but not everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the 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 dairy farmers are definitely have the biggest challenge, as you can see. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's unfortunate, but I mean. That's why we have to adapt, and we have to find uh, uh, other other crops, other things. That can you can... grow almonds in Erie County? No, no. Too that's, bad. That's California there. That's yeah. a California thing there. I mean, I mean, you yeah. think about you know, you know the, between almonds and avocados. Yep. That's what everybody's eating these yep. days. Olive oil. There's a lot of <laughs> olive oil going. You know, there's a lot of things that you know, ten, twenty years ago we didn't think about that much that have just. Uh, taken over and, and turned out to be huge markets. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Mark Troyer from Troyer Incorporated. Appreciate you sharing your expertise. And we're talking to Kelly Port. This is a family show. We like to get origin stories. You told me off mic that you did not grow up in a farming family. Tell, I, tell me how you grew up. No, no, I did not. I grew up, I grew up actually down in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area. Um, met my husband now, Jerry at IUP. I was visiting friends. He was visiting friends and, uh, can't move a farm, so I had to move up here. So you're an IUP person. I, we have a few around I here. Have, yes, I'm an IUP person. <laughs> what was your degree in? Well, it started out in um, social work and ended up in arts. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. So so um, tell us a little bit about Port Farms. How long has there been of Port Farms, and, and what did you start out as? Port Farms originated in 1897. Um, Jerry and I are the fourth generation uh, to farm, and the farm has changed over centuries. Uh, yeah, not centuries, I guess you could say decades. A century, though. <laughs> a yeah, century. over a century, yeah. Um, basically, we started doing what we're doing 17 years ago. So this is year number 17 for us. Jerry used to uh, do soybean farming and potato farming. And as the soybean market was kind of declining with what we did, we started growing Christmas trees, which then somebody suggested to get people familiar with Christmas trees, we should probably have pumpkins. So people would buy pumpkins and then see our Christmas trees. Okay. Okay. So, so one leading to another and, and, uh, Tell us how that works just on the farming aspect. And then we'll talk about the entertainment aspect. But um, do do pump, how, how easy is it to grow pumpkins, for example? And- well, you know, if the weather is great, it's really easy. Okay. I know down south of us this year, a lot of people got a lot of rain. And if you get a lot of rain, you get a lot of rot and a lot of mold. Yeah. And you don't get a good pumpkin. Okay. This year was wonderful because we had enough rain, we had enough sunshine, we had enough heat. We have a wonderful crop this year. Now, you're, I'm sure you don't want every pumpkin to be massive, right? So no, you, no. You're, you're, you're tending to these quite a bit. Well, you tend to them, but there's different varieties. Okay. Because as we tell the kids when they come out for their school tours, it takes 120 days normally for a pumpkin to grow. And it doesn't matter if it's a two-pound pumpkin or if it's a... 1200 pound pumpkin wow um a lot of uh, varieties come in different shapes and sizes and colors and things like that and you do the gourds and i'm sure we do all the that gourds stuff, yeah. yeah corn stalks all that stuff okay and and the the goal originally was to get people to see your trees so yeah. talk about how how you grow christmas trees well, christmas trees take about seven to nine years before you can actually retail them to a customer okay so we had to do something for those nine years while those christmas trees were growing hence the pumpkins well the pumpkins kind of took over <laughs> and uh the pumpkin 
market is huge for us. And the Christmas trees, you know, it's it's smaller, but you, you take them as they come. We take them as they come. So, I mean, do you have to plant a lot of Christmas trees to get the desired outcome, you know, nine years later? And you're doing this on a rolling scale, right? Yeah. So like last year, what we sold, we had to think about nine years ago what our market was going to be. So we, nine years ago, had to do about a thousand trees to compensate what we Sold this past year, if that makes Got, sense. Yeah, you're doing a thousand trees a year, basically. Yeah. So what we're planting now, we're projecting that maybe our clientele will be twelve to fifteen hundred. So we're planting about fifteen hundred trees to hopefully keep up. And I would think that with Christmas trees, and again, I know nothing about farming, but it would seem to me that it's a pretty stable market insofar as people aren't. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's like certain hip um, species. But it's Fraser firs, it's blue spruces. Fraser I mean, it's been fir, like that for yep, ye- for yep. decades. It very true. Fraser fir, Douglas fir, um, the blue spruce. I love blue spruce. A lot of people don't because they're very prickly. Yeah, it but hurts. They're a beautiful tree. And if you have cats, a blue spruce is your ticket. Darn right. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't want the cats to smash your glass no. bulbs. No, no, you don't. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people love the Fraser firs. Kong collar is another one that we sell. Okay, I don't um, know that one. It smells like oranges. Oh wow! Yeah, it's really cool. But we don't have a lot of those, and a lot yeah. of people aren't familiar with it. So Fraser firs are number one. And uh, again, you probably do you do you hold back? Some of the some of the 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 tree crop so that they could become ten or twelve footers maybe in a couple more years. Um, yes and no. Like last year, we had to section. Unfortunately, some of our our smaller trees, our six and seven footers, because seven foot trees are the the going tree. Yeah. So we had to actually rope off some of our trees so people wouldn't go cut them. Yeah. And we'd have trees to sell for this year. It's okay. Kind of weird. Well, yeah, I mean, again, you're you're kind of doing like this rolling thing, but we're so used to, I would think as a farmer, you're used to the spring, you know, sowing and the fall reaping. Now this is uh, sowing and what, 10 years later and 10 years later. And we've never had to do that before. So it was kind of challenging. I I don't want to say the word embarrassing, but. Um, for us to go off and say to somebody, you can't buy these trees, even though they're beautiful and here they are, wow. we have to think about what we're selling for next year. So we did have to section them off. Some, something I've noticed, again, when I, when, when I first moved back home, I moved back in 1990. I was living in Tennessee, moved back to Erie. And we, we wanted to start, you know, the, the tradition of chopping down a tree. And the, the tree farm that we went to out in Wattsburg, they lasted about three, four years and then they had to shut down. Would that be a situation where like somebody would just stop planting and so they just sell their inventory out and they're done in that business? Well, what happened is many, many moons ago, a lot of people started transitioning. They, they thought they were hurting the universe by cutting down Christmas trees. So everybody started buying artificial trees. Uh-huh. So you had this overabundance of Christmas trees and nobody was selling them. So they were a dime a dozen. Interesting. So now we're going backwards in time where people are being taught that it's um, a resource that can be rejuvenated in many different fashions. Yeah. And now no one's planting Christmas trees. So there's all a shortage. There's a shortage of Christmas trees. Yeah. Now th- some of the, some of the trees that, that are in the marketplace mm-hmm. are coming from like Quebec and, you know, deep into the, Deep in the state of PA or New York or something like that. That's true. A lot of them used to come from down around the Carolina states. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't they, they have since cut their short. I mean, they're they're out. They're they, out of they've trees. They've tapped out of trees and they are no longer growing. So you're going to find a lot of people that used to um, go down, get their trees, bring them up from wholesale to retail yeah. uh, are no longer in existence. That's that's really something. Yeah. So what is it? I mean, I mean, I would think a thousand trees doesn't make you a very large operator. No, no it doesn't. But um, but it's enough for you to keep a, a handle on. Yeah, it is. It is because it's a lot of handwork in raising mm. these things. You don't just put them in the ground, then walk away and see. And you know, nine later, nine years later. I was going to say, <laughs> do you walk around with like a machete to kind of oh, keep trimming these things? Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. You got to go around and you clip, and it's it's like babysitting every year. And then if you have some kind of a a bug that comes in and yeah. you don't catch the bug, you can wipe the whole crop out. 
We're talking to Kelly Port. She's from Port Farms, uh, and uh, you, you know they they've seen their business change quite a bit. I, I, we're going to go to a break, and we'll talk about. Uh, kind of the entertainment part of your business. But before we do that, you do still sell real crops. Talk about that. We are a real farmer by trade. Yeah. Um, Jerry, my husband, he grows soybeans and oats. Um, that is his main cash crop. How, how are you guys affected by the, the tariffs right um, now? It's a little challenging right is now, it? but I, I know it's something that has to be done. Um, but why, but why do farmers say that? <sighs> Because so much of our crop is going overseas. Okay. And you don't always get the true market value of what it's worth. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The, there, there's, uh, there's an overabundance, I guess, of soybeans, right, for, right. for, the, for the U.S. For or, the US. or even North America to Correct. handle. Correct. So you have to have a global market. You do. But we haven't been treated very well globally. Well, globally. And, I mean, if you even look at the, the dairy market. I mean, that's just local. Yeah. And uh, for what people are willing to pay for some products, they're not willing to pay for a gallon of milk yeah. or bread, which is kind of sad. So we try to bring awareness to that, that, you know what, stay local. Try, try to buy local if you can, um, because your farmers are, are going away quick. Yeah. Wow. Um, one more question about the, yeah. the, the Christmas trees before we go to break. Uh, is this a cut your own kind of thing or, but you also cut stuff? We do both. Okay. Um, we have your choosing cut where you go out and you choose one and we also do pre-cuts. So we'll go out and we'll harvest some of our trees and then we bring them back, set them up because if you don't feel like going out and cutting down a Christmas tree and mm -hmm. we have it for you. You still love it though. You know, the snow up to your ankles or up to your, uh, shins yeah. and higher and your out there yeah, freezing dad, the kids dad. out. It, mom, mom and kids are all like, we want that tree. Dad's the one that gets down. Yeah. And he's like, oh my gosh. Used to get a lot of help. So you guys are, I would say you're a bit of a hybrid. So you're really farmers. We're really farmers. But you're really in the entertainment business. We're huge in entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, and, and we never saw this coming, but we're really excited and happy that it did. All right. So where did it start? Where did the thought come from that maybe your your assets could be used to have fun? It started again in 2003 when we decided to plant Christmas trees. We went to a Christmas tree seminar down at Penn State and we ran into a gentleman that's from Scranton and does the exact same thing. But he had been doing it for about 15 years. And he said, you know, you really have to put some pumpkins in the ground because you've got to sell something now to support the trees you're growing. And we're like, pumpkins, okay. So we, we threw a couple of things together. Um, and I think the first few things we had was a, a little tricycle racetrack, a little straw fort, and uh, go pick your own pumpkins. Really okay. small. And, yeah. a little, and a tiny little corn maze, one acre. Okay. Really small. Um, we opened it, we were giving, it was buy one, get one free for like next to nothing. And how uh, do you even know how to price something oh like that? Oh my God, that. we yeah. didn't, we didn't, yeah. we had no idea because back then Finney's yes. was the big pumpkin farm mm -hmm. and you would just go there and you'd go through a couple of little corn huts and pick your pumpkin and that was it. Yep. So what we were trying to do is a form called agritainment and agritainment is inviting people onto your farm and entertaining them, but yet teaching them about agriculture. So we wanted to be different than Finney's. And to do that, we had to charge what they call a gate fee. Okay. So that yeah. way, when you get onto the farm, you can do whatever you want as many times as you want. I'm like, great, great idea. So it blew up. A lot of people came. We're like, okay, cool. So next year, we added some more stuff. So every year, we keep adding. And every year, we keep increasing the people that come to our farm. We're almost to the second generation we of are. people going to Port Farms. We are. It? Matter of fact, I had a woman the other day who has been with us since 2003, and her daughter's kids were selling, celebrating their birthday there. Wow. So that was pretty cool. She yeah. introduced herself, said, I've been coming here all these years. We have a, how tall this fall are you? <laughs> and she had from 2003, because we dated every year. Oh, so neat. she's had 17 pictures. That's fantastic. It was. It was. It was cool. So, so t tell us about now how how big uh, the event it, the events are these seven weeks because you said you started out small. What are all the different things that the the kids and families can do? So obviously we have the corn maze and the hay wagon rides, which are your tradition. Um, but we've added apple cannons, jumping pillows, uh, 
mind logic mazes, uh, animal exhibits, game gardens. We put in a little kids area for two and under or five and under, excuse me. Um, We have our slides. I mean, next year, I think we're putting in a rope course. Um, So we've got a a big ball zone because we want dad to interact with the kids. And we want the adults to play just as much as we do the kids. And so so it's it's much more than, you know, the 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 corn uh, pit. Oh, God. Yeah. The corn pit. So everybody loves the corn pit. Yeah. Um, And if if we ever took that away, I, I would be afraid to see what would happen. But. <laughs> That's what I saw you on television yeah. playing in the corn pit with yep. the, the TV announcer. Mm-hmm. And, and so it really, I mean, you really get people from all over we uh, do. the region coming to your place. A, a lot of people, we have a lot of people that will drive two hours to come to us. They consider Incredible. us a destination. But while they're here, they're also doing the zoo boo or, mm. you know, maybe going up to the, the water park. Um, so we like to think we're part of a group. Yeah. To, to bring people into this area. Do you have to do concessions too and oh, all yeah. that? Yeah, we have some great food. Um, Miss Peggy, who's in our kitchen, she does a lot of our food. Like we'll do the macaroni and cheese and the chicken tenders and the hamburgers and all so that So you had stuff. to build some infrastructure in we while did, you were building yeah. this thing out. Yes, we, yes, yes. So and, again, and, for and the entertainment another, part, yeah. That's a whole other thing to battle because a lot of people think we're an amusement park. You know, where's your water fountain? Why don't you have your roads paved? And it's like, guys, you're in my backyard. <laughs> um, so we, yes, we have water because we have to go through the health department yeah. and have different things that we have to meet criteria-wise. But um, we're a farm. You're in my backyard. Yeah. Welcome to my my backyard. Come play. But it's still a farm. Yeah, I didn't know what kind of regulations you had to abide oh. to in this kind of scenario. Yeah, you sit down with DEP. You you talk to the health department. Um, there's all kinds of things we have to follow. Yeah, you basically a commercial kitchen or something commercial like that. Commercial crisp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then then the other part of this is that now you're into the farm wedding business, which I know is huge. It is huge, and we didn't enter that lightly. We had somebody come to us, I want to say she's probably about married for 10 years now. Can we have a wedding on your farm? We're like, sure. So she came, did her thing, and then the next year, two people wanted to have the wedding. So tell us about your barn. Uh, Was was it always there? The barn's been there since 19, I think, 45, 40-someone seven probably wooden barn uh yeah it's a wooden structure it was basically our maintenance barn okay um storage shed husband kept all his stuff up there and every year we take a little bit more of it to do some things birthday parties and stuff like that and then the one year i'm like you know what let's let's do this and uh he agreed and um we made it really beautiful and we've been selling out but we only do 18 a year Okay. So we only do them from May 1st to August 31st. We will not do them in the fall. We just can't. And and is tell us about the state of barn weddings. I mean uh, I mean is that that's a light schedule then for some of these places that have that's, these barn weddings or that's is a that a very light schedule because we let the girls come in on Fridays and the guys I should say. So you're not booking Friday night. No, I will not. Um, oh, so yeah, so we, you're we do, very generous. I do one a weekend. That's interesting. Yeah. Did you have to rig that for plumbing and what and and power and all that? Or? Well, there was the power was already in there because yeah. it was part of the maintenance, and there uh-huh. was already plumbing in there because they had a bathroom in there from years ago. So yeah. we just kind of um, updated it as per health department. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, you had to make it handicap accessible, and there's all kinds of things we had to do for well, that. Again, you you start out as soybean and potato farmers. Yes, and you're getting you're getting exposed to the world of of uh, L and I assembly zoning and and inspections. Well, and, right, you right. know it's incredible. But I mean to to be a farmer nowadays, you either have to have a lot of acreage or really be specific in what you are growing yeah. um, to stay alive. And so, so, so a lot of this was out of necessity beyond just kind of hopes and dreams. It, it was. It was out of necessity. We wanted to continue to keep the farm around for our kids who are now getting involved. Our daughter's 25 and our son is 24, and they've both started doing some different roles in our farm. Um, but, yeah, to keep it going, you, you have to be diversified. Agra Entertainment. Agra Entertainment. That's a new one on Agritainment. me. Agritainment. Agritainment. There we go. And weddings, seven weeks 
where you're just killing it with the, with the port farms, the 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 fall experience, fall the, experience. the autumn autumn experience, and and, and, then, and that is it. We, yeah. we focus on fall harvest. There yeah. there is no haunting. There is no scary stuff. Okay, it is family fun. Oh, that's really really cool. And then of course Christmas trees, uh, probably mm-hmm. right around uh, Thanksgiving. I would think Black yeah. Friday we open. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Kelly, Kelly Port, uh, tell us where you are. You know, what, what's the best way to, to put into your GPS? How much does things cost? Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So 2055 Stone Quarry Road in Waterford, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're between uh, Route 6 and Route 97. And the cost is Mondays and Wednesdays. They're $8 for ages 3 to 59. Two and under are free. 60 and over are $5. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's $12 a person. Military is always free. Cool. So they have to have their military thing. Mm-hmm. And then if you're over 50, no, over 60, you get in for $5. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and uh, what's the biggest weekend right before th- Halloween? Columbus Day. Columbus Day because people weekend. have an extra weekend. Yeah, an extra Columbus Day, day weekend, we, it's busy. Yeah. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. On, on the on the corn maze. <laughs> yeah. is, is, does the maze change from year to year? Yeah. So this year we uh, partnered up with Sesame Street. Oh, nice. So we have uh, celebrating 50 years of Sesame Street. And um, that was a pleasure to do because their focus is on education, yeah. as is ours. If you think about it, send me like a, a, a drone shot of that yeah, maze. Yeah, we just I would flew love over to. the other day. I, I, would, I would love to get a picture of that, put that on our website. I certainly will. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>